0: My wife, if it wasn't for my wife, I couldn't be here. If if you've been following us online, you've seen all the cool, like, trendy stuff. But the truth of the matter is, if my wife wasn't doing what she's doing, we wouldn't be here, me and her. I couldn't do it without her. She is the, uh, she completes me like Jerry Maguire. We have four kids. They're homeschooled. I work out of the house. She takes care of the kids. She makes sure they have an education. She takes them on trips. She, she feeds them stuff. She, they, they grow butterflies in a cocoon and let them fly out and do all kinds of weird stuff that I, I thought was stuff I never did as a kid. But she's all about expanding their little brains and making them better. And she's just the best mom ever. Plus my own mom. Plus all you moms. We're the best ever together. We're the best moms. Everybody else is not as good as our moms. That's right. That's right. It's all about self at church and Christianity. You know how it goes. But my wife is so awesome, and I am so excited to lift her up today because she's got a word for you. She's going to show you a side of her that you didn't know existed. You thought she was just this quiet little mouse, and she's just so cute all the time. And Hey, look, good day. Thanks for coming to One Seat Church. Did you get your bag? There's more. Everybody has more to them. And when you hear what she's about to tell you, you better have some Kleenex ready, okay? Because it's for real. Let's give it up. Come on, let's stand to our feet and give it up. It takes a lot of guts to get out here. Let's give it up for Michelle Gwaltney. You may be seated.
1: Wow, what an intro, huh? (laughs) Well, good morning. Let's give another shout out to our mothers in here today. We're so blessed to have you join us. Like Pastor Jeff said, I'm Michelle. We have four beautiful children together. Chloe, she's the oldest. She's nine. She's our leader of the family. Um, She's so loving and kind. Likes to really help. Caleb, um, he's our little wrestler. Our pianist. He loves um, to help others as well. He's such a tender heart. Colton. He is six, and he's our comedian of the family. You never know who you're going to get because if you've been with us for a while, you know we also call him Taz because he says the funniest things. Um, I think when he was about four, he we were at the dinner table, and um, he said something. We said something to him, and he says, "You don't know about me." And we said, "Who who told you to talk like that? Where'd you learn to talk like that?" Jesus. And then Kaylee's right behind him, she's three, she's almost four, and um, she is very similar to him. We call her Tazette because she's so sassy as well, but she's so sweet. And just the other day, um, she asked me to pick out her outfit, so I went and picked it out, laid it out for her, and she's like, ugh, not that one. I don't like it. So, you know, she knows what she wants and she's not going to have anybody boss her around being the baby. So today I'm going to be talking about love. So what is love? But what is love really? Well, we're going to go to our friends at Merriam-Webster and it has four definitions. The first, a quality or feeling of strong or constant affection for and dedication to another. Example, motherly love. Attraction based on desire. The strong affection and tenderness felt by lovers, a beloved person, a warm attachment, enthusiasm, or devotion, for example, love of the sea, the object of attachment or devotion. And of course, we can't forget the fourth one a score of zero in tennis. So today we're going to start with what love is not. Sometimes it's easier to describe what something isn't. I feel like sometimes love gets thrown around so loosely, you can say, Oh my goodness, I love your shoes. I love that movie. But does it mean that you're deeply in love with those shoes or in love with that movie? Probably not. It doesn't meet the definition of constant affection. But when you tell someone that you love them, like your parents, a wife, a loved one, you're most typically saying deep down, I'm in love with you." So we're going to touch on constant affection. Growing up in my childhood, there was constantly change. Shortly after I was born, my parents were divorced, and they weren't married when my mom became pregnant. My great-grandmother, we called her Gigi, she was a large part of my life. She was a wonderful lady and would watch me on a regular basis. I had a special bond with my father's parents, My grandmother was my mother as far as I was concerned. I spent the majority of my young life with her and my grandfather. Once I was older, I would be with my mother during the week and with my dad on every other weekend. From far as my memory goes, I can't really remember too many good times with my dad and my mom. Most of my memories are with my Gigi, my grandma, my grandpa, aunts and uncles. It was a mess. Neither one really wanted to give up their life or lifestyle to raise a child. By this time, my sister was born under my mother's second failed marriage. The difference with that is that her father was a good man, so he had more custody of her and would have her for longer periods of time. My father also remarried, and I had three stepsisters. My stepmother was evil as far as I was concerned from a standpoint of a six-year-old. She spoke terrible things to me, even having a name for me, skeleton. I've always been tiny and petite. Because my surname caved in, she said I was too skinny and I wasn't pretty. She would degrade me, not take good care of me when my dad was out. Her daughters were older and I was the youngest. I don't know if she was jealous or why she would treat a young child that way. Her older kids even had me take pills to pass out when I was around six for fun or just to pick on me, I'm not sure. But when my dad found out, somehow it was my fault. Around that time, I realized the true demons that my father was dealing with, drugs and alcohol, enough drugs to enter rehab and have nose reconstruction. I remember visiting my dad in rehab, but I didn't fully realize what was going on back then. I lived in constant yelling, turmoil, throwing, breaking stuff, chaos. When you're around those things for so long, it becomes the new norm. Remind you that there was no order either when I was with my dad or my mom. No stability as a child. I was a good kid, a quiet kid, but I always obeyed and listened. I would still spend summer with my grandparents and my Gigi, and my Grammy would have me on the weekends as well. My Grammy wouldn't watch me too well. Me and my cousin, who was one year younger, would make drinks at her overstock bar around seven or eight years old. I really didn't have much supervision when I was with my mom or dad. My dad was either drunk or high on who knows what. My mom was always gone. I remember vividly remember taking care of the house and chores, cooking, around age nine. My grandparents tried to be in my life as much as possible, I went to private school, which they paid for. My grandpa strongly believed in having a good education. He was a smart, successful man, a chemical engineer, came from nothing, a poor child with immigrant parents from Germany. He has now passed. It has been nine years. And this is really cool too, because today would have been his birthday. It was not common for your parents to be divorced attending private school. I was the odd man out. I remember my third grade teacher saying how sorry she was and would give me a big hug. She would rock me and say, I'm so sorry. I didn't understand what was going on. To me, I didn't know what it was to have a mom and a dad in the same household, nor probably all the junk they are aware of of what I was going through. Things I was subjected to is disturbing and no child should ever have to experience it although I think it's more common than I would like to think. Men at my mom's, women at my dad's, staying up late at night, couldn't sleep because of the partying, drugs, alcohol, things I'm not even going to mention. I wanted to run away. I had planned to build a fort in my backyard with my childhood friend where no one would find us. We would plot during recess. I'm not sure how all of that would have worked out, but that's how I dealt with it. I wanted to get out of this downward spiral whirlwind I was in. My dad was always crabby, he was always aggravated. When I was with him at his apartment, he would sleep to 11 or 12, sometimes later. There really wouldn't be much food, so I would suck on Centrum Kids vitamins and have those for my meal. When my mom was supposed to pick me up from school, I would always be the last kid there. It would be dark out, I would be waiting with the teacher, and she would be waiting to go home as well. All the other kids would have snacks for after school. I would always be so hungry. One time, I even ate a tube of Vaseline chapstick. There was no consistency, no love felt for me. I would spend summers with my grandparents and that was fond memories for me. My grandma would take me to the pool, hired a teacher for me to take private lessons. She would pack a can of Planner's cheese balls which I'm so excited because they brought those back. <laughs> um, she would have a Milky Way and she would cut it up into thin slices, a Coca-Cola and a bag of grapes. Everything would be chilled from the ice pack and it would be so refreshing on those hot summer days taking a break from swimming. She would then have me wait 15 minutes before returning to the pool so I wouldn't give a cramp, get a cramp. And I'm not sure if that's really a thing. I felt so loved when I was with them. Christmas, seeing the lights at Tillis Park, visiting Shaw's Garden, and that's what we called it way back then. Seeing the giant lily pads, rolling down the grass and getting itchy. So many memories and that's what I cling to. But back to reality. I would say I'm pretty resilient these days because of all of that. I learned to block all that stuff out early on and not have a lot of emotion. I learned early on how to take those feelings of distraught, loneliness, being upset, and turning them into something else. Growing up, my mother would never give good compliments. She would say things to me to bring me down, dropping me off at school, and maybe say something about the way I look, so I'd be conscious all day long. As a parent, you're supposed to build up your child and give them the confidence. You're their sole supporter. You're the one that matters. She still does, does it to this day, and that's what she does. I'm big on the psychological. Your actions are a response to something deeper. If you respond in an atypical manner, something is going on deep down or in your subconscious. For example, because my childhood life was so chaotic and there was no stability, there was nothing that was concrete, uniform, consistent, my external other life, such as in school, work, I excelled at, That was something that I can control. You put the effort in, you get the reward. But what was the missing piece? As an adult, you learn to adapt, cope, move forward, or at least that's the best scenario. Let's visit Luke chapter 6, verse 28. It says, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. You may be thinking you can't do that, You're too too hurt, you won't. Your pride will get in the way, but it's not about them. It's about your freedom. Your prayer may or may not change someone else, but it always changes you. And don't become who hurt you. You cannot have a positive life when you have a negative mind. So how do I express love? I didn't get a lot of love when I was younger, so how could I transfer that you know, so-called love to others? My dad feels that I don't love him. Apparently, when I was around 12, I wanted this jacket, and he told me no, so I told him I hated him. I hear this story till this day. He cannot let it go. He still harbors that resentment or whatever else is going on with that. I do not have a relationship with my dad. Over the years and decades, the same thing happens. I put forth an effort, call, try to get together. He would never call back for weeks at a time, never show up. He always wonders what went wrong. Since then, he has had two more children, one who was given up for adoption, which I did not know about until almost 14 years later, when I woke up from a dream that I had a sister. I had asked my mom about it, and she said it was true. Obviously, I was upset. I had never met her. I have seen pictures of her that the adoptive parents sent. She looks like me, dark hair, dark eyes. Your subconscious can pick up things that you didn't even realize, and it will eventually come out. Another time, my dad wanted to meet up back in 2004 for dinner. This was out of the ordinary for him, so I went out with dinner, and I found out that I had another sister, Jessica. She was born a few days earlier. I was able to meet her. But because of the inconsistencies that my dad possessed, I was not able to have a good relationship with her, not seeing her very often. We would go years without talking or seeing each other, lots of empty promises. I couldn't control what was going on in my childhood because I didn't have a say. I was so young, I couldn't even fully process all that was going on until later in life. I feel like one thing I could control, or so I thought, was my emotions and my abilities. As I grew up, I knew I wanted to get out of the house as soon as I could. Whatever my job was, I would excel. I would receive different types of awards, given more responsibilities as a leader or a manager after working there a short time. I would get all these new responsibilities. I really enjoyed that because I felt like it was a form of success for me. People saw what was in me. My grandfather instilled me in me good work qualities, politeness, you don't need to say everything you're thinking, if you're on time, you're late. Respect others, you don't always have to agree or even like the person, but it shows who you are. Are you different or just like everyone else? I did succeed, I went to college, I paid for my two years at Merrimack, I graduated with my associates, but towards the end of that time, I went down a familiar path that I had seen as a child, and I made some bad decisions. I had recognized this was not the path I wanted to take, and by the grace of God, I was able to get back on track. Thanks to my grandpa, I was able to attend university. I went to UMSL. He would come with me to pay for my books and pay for my classes. He bought me a computer for my studies so I could write papers. I had graduated with honors, cum laude, and I had my BSBA with a minor in psychology. Psychology was my favorite. It helped me connect with what I was going through and all the emotions associated with it. You see, later in life, I picked up these habits, and it would affect my behavior. I had anger problems because I had turned my emotions of hurt and distraught and not knowing what to do into anger. I didn't want to feel the pain anymore, so my first reaction was to get mad about something. What's your go-to psychological response? What's your coping mechanism? We all have one, and they all differ. I knew that I didn't want to grow up and have my kids feel that way. But why can some stay in the same way that they've always been? Because it's comfortable staying in where you know. Even though it's chaotic, crazy, it doesn't make it right. It's more comfortable to stay in the chaos. I've come a long way from them, but I still have setbacks. I pushed what I felt to anger. It was easier that way. But most of us overestimate how much control we have and underestimate how much choice we have. Nothing is owed back to me. So much in this day and age we expect something in return. We are not guaranteed anything and this whole concept of what am I getting out of this has to go. It's not someone else's responsibility to make you happy. We all have a choice. You always have a choice. We make thousands of choices each week and we have to decide on it and own it. And we don't make the right choices all the time. The good news is that you can rectify the situation in most cases, you can start new, but you do have to own your choice. You can't pass it off to someone else and have them be the scapegoat because guess what, you're gonna go round and round and round in the same circle and nothing is going to change and you're going to wonder why. Let's visit 1 Peter chapter 4, 8 through 11. It says, "Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have to receive you have received to serve others." as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So that's just a glimpse of my life. Obviously there's more to the story, but here's the best part. When I met Pastor Jeff, his parents were married. They had a strong relationship. For some of the things that I was going through and had gone through, he couldn't understand at all, could not be more of opposites. We grew up completely different. But guess what? He did have, and it was something that I craved, love. Outpouring, overflowing, comforting love. His parents took me in as their own child, loved me from the beginning. Around that time, I had moved back with my mom to pay off some debt, and we regret that due to the fact that Pastor Jeff didn't fully understand the backstory and chaos that lied underneath. I ended up having an altercation with my sister. His parents told me that night to come live with them. How could almost a stranger take a young girl and support her, pay for her, Love her like their own. What is a better form of love? Jesus is that love. He was using them to reach me. He revealed himself through others to capture my heart, and I fell hard for Jesus. So what does God say about love? So if we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 4 through 13, Paul wrote this. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappeared. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part that I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. You may be wondering what happened to my dad. He's still around. I talk to him every three to four years. My family life was suffering because of the resentment, hurt, and pain that would reemerge when I talked to him and he wouldn't follow through. I felt like that little girl again. It took a very long time for me to move on from that. About five years ago, ironically, when we took our first family trip, and we're going again after church today, we met with him and he met one of my children for the first time, Colton. After that, we never heard from him again until October 2017. I decided after that trip that I was not going to give him the control anymore. I'd always prayed about it, but when I truly submitted and gave it all to God, I'm finally free, truly at peace. I gave up my control. Sure, I think on it, and I'm not sure what the future holds, but it's not on me anymore. It's not my burden anymore. It's hard for me to leave a parent by the wayside, but sometimes you have to. The Bible talks about it. It takes time to heal, almost my whole life, but it can happen. God took away the pain and gave peace. You really have to give it all though, it goes back to the control, truly free. Are you waiting for God to comfort you in something he has called you to confront? You have to forgive. You can't hold on to what others have done to you. But here's the kicker, you have to forgive yourself too. The pain is still there, it's going to linger. Certain things are going to bring it out. The devil's going to use it against you and remind you. He's going to try and bring up those feelings, and he wants you to stumble. You see, I can forgive my father because deep down, I know that he loves me. He's just not able to express it. And it's not about him. It's about my personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus will take your burden and set you free because he loves you. Your rejection in one season can lead to your destiny in the next. Not only did God give me the family that I always wanted, God has led us and is leading us to do big things for his kingdom. You are all part of it. God will use you. There's always more if you are willing. It can be scary because we have to give up that control. Everything that we have has been given from him, and we need to freely give it back. And he's going to continue to bless. Don't allow the pain of disappointment or hurt or anything else you may be facing to keep you from pouring out what God gave you. God has a perfect plan for each one of you, he's had it all along. Even with the chaos surrounding you, whatever you're facing, you can get through it. You have to be willing to submit and give it all to him. Faith doesn't always mean God changes your situation. Sometimes it means he changes you. He made me strong enough to walk away. Are you willing to change, let go of control, confront, break the cycle? I challenge all of you to try. Let go of the thing you're holding on to. Forgiveness is the highest form of love. God has a purpose on the other side of your pain. He will use these situations for good. And don't let your struggle become your identity. When you feel like people don't want you, you're alone, you feel down. I'm here to tell you, you are chosen. When people tell you, you don't matter, you're just like your mom or dad, they don't tell you, I love you, they tell you everything wrong about you, you've made mistakes, you are loved. You won't amount to anything. You can't keep it together. You'll fail. You're not worth it. You can't. You are believed in. No one wants you how you are. You're no good. I'm here to tell you today, you are wanted. You are wanted by a perfect father, by his perfect love. Set yourself free by the one who loves you the most the one who died for you, the one who created you, the one who knows everything about you even when you can't admit it to yourself. He already knows, he knows. He's just waiting for you to give it to him. You have to let it go, let it go, let it go. You are loved. If you would please stand with me in prayer. Lord, we love you and we thank you for knowing us, for loving us when we feel like there is nothing left. Give us the strength to move forward, to trust in you in all things. Help us break free, Lord. Help us be honest with ourselves, becoming who you created us to be. Help us love others like you have loved us, not for our sake, Lord, because you are worthy. You are so worthy. Be with these families today as they continue their day. Bless these mothers in here, Lord. Renew and refresh them. Give them the strength they need on those tough days. You see them when no one else does. They are important. They are chosen. They are loved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.